And welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Episode number 32, we talk everything school public relations and communications, how schools and school districts can tell their stories. Thanks so much for joining us once again, episode number 32, and we are thrilled to be talking to Dr. Andy Jacks, the principal of Ashland Elementary School in Virginia. Among his many accomplishments and recognitions, the Virginia Principal of the Year and also received the Nationally Distinguished Principal Award. And the other recognitions and awards go on and on and on. Andy, how are you, sir? Thanks so much for joining the podcast. We appreciate it. I'm fantastic, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. So I guess before we get deep into it, just tell us a little bit about Ashland Elementary School and your school, your district, and kind of education in your area. Sure. Ashland Elementary is in Manassas, Virginia, which is in the the very uh, like type A and busy Northern Virginia, and uh, it's a phenomenal school, fantastic school community. Uh, we have uh, probably one of the things we're uh, recognized for is our huge military population of families, uh, partly because of the area that we live in and partly because of how many have now flocked to our school because of the supports we give for our military-connected families. Uh, but we are just about you know half hour or so outside of Washington, D.C., and in Prince William County Schools, uh, one of the largest school divisions. I think we're ranked like 31st, 32nd, something like that, largest school division in the country. Um, and again, very uh, supportive and great school division, trying to create excellence and equity for all of our students. How big is your school? How many students and staff do you have about? I have, uh, give or take, uh, about 800. I've gone anywhere from almost 1,000 students to now we're about a little bit over 800, 830 students, something like that. So that's about 60-some teachers, about 100-plus overall staff. When you look at, you know, it's teacher assistants in office and everybody else. So in addition to your personal recognitions, your school has also received a lot of national recognitions for all the work you're doing with innovation, student inclusion, and the like. And you guys also received a visit from the U.S. Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, uh, not too long ago. Tell us about how that came about and what that experience was like. Yeah, that, that was a lesson, and we talk about PR or, um, you know, just leadership. That was that so many lessons kind of embedded in there. So we had the opportunity to... Uh, Donate a gift to the Department of Education uh, in, in D.C. Uh, from our military-connected students as a month military uh, child, and so they had made these quilts with uh, images that they drew and then they sewn together, and we donated them. And so we were down there, and they asked, you know, the principals, do you want to help support your kids and come down? And, you know, anytime my kids are going, something like that, I'm in. So I definitely went with them, and our whole team came. And while we were there, they asked us to share about how we support our military families and what we consider, you know, the needs that they have. And so I shared some of that. And right afterwards, uh, one of her representatives <laughs> was there, and he said, I'd like to uh, have uh, Secretary DeVos come to your school. I was, and I didn't hesitate, of course, yes. And he said, on Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, next week. Yes, I'm in. Let's do it. And uh, right there, I guess, is my, you know, uh, leadership lesson, which is, you know, and a lot of people feel different thoughts about the secretary and about, you know, people in general if they come into your school. My thought is I have a very inclusive school environment. We want everyone to be included in our school environment. So uh, we celebrate everybody coming in. We're happy to share anything that we're doing to the entire world. And who better than the United States Secretary of Education to come in and check out what we're doing for all of our families, not just military families. And so I didn't hesitate, absolutely. And when we first came back, there was some question about, do you really want her to come? You know, is it, is it like a thing? Not from our district. The division is very supportive for these kinds of things, but just in general from families and all this. And mm -hmm. I really sold it. I had to realize right away that I had to sell it to my families. And not that they needed a whole lot of selling, but I had to sell this as a very positive experience for our kids, for our country. Hopefully we can have some influence on the secretary, meaning that, you know, we can give some insight into how we support our families and needs that we have in our school. And uh, I want our kids to run into our school and not run out, and I want everyone else to run into our school and not out either. So I think that was sort of the first sort of philosophical mindset when you, when you invite somebody like that in. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough decision because, yeah, she's a controversial figure, especially for public education. And I, I love your philosophy of let's bring her in and show her how great public education can be. One of my things is, as the chief communications officer for Arcadia Unified is first and foremost tell our story about our school schools and our school district but 
educate for public education as a whole. So while these are stories of success for Arcadia High School, our middle schools and elementary schools, these are also stories of success for public education. So we need to, the narrative out there is not great with public education on a national level, but there are so many great stories. So I love that you took advantage of that opportunity to advocate for public education at a whole and open up her eyes to what public education can provide for the possibility. So that's, that's awesome. So what did you, I know, uh, so the turnaround was fast. So that happened one week and said, yeah, next Tuesday. If any educators listening, they know uh, staff and teachers getting ready for a visit, whether it's a superintendent, principal, or a board member can be frightening enough. But what was the reaction from your staff? Like, oh, by the way, on Tuesday. They didn't believe me. That's <laughs> it was like, everyone was like, wait, wait, what? And then like, I'm not the secretary of education. No, the, you know, the boss, the, her, her, really? But no, honestly, our staff is all in on everything. We, we actually give a lot of tours uh, for people all across the country to come check us out. So uh, we've been fortunate, especially being so close to Washington, D.C., I think we get a little bit more of that, too. But we've been doing so well that we uh, have a tour sort of down pat, but we had to – the difference for this one was that it had Secret Service, you know, those kind of people that come <laughs> with it. And actually one of the Secret Service uh, members is someone that I, I knew previously. So, you know, from the area, like one of our family members, that kind of thing. So we have a lot of connection in this area to – agents, federal agents, police officers, military, that kind of thing. And so getting that piece uh, figured out was tricky, meaning that there's safety and security measures that had to be in place and that there was the, the, the tour itself was down to the minute-by-minute minute description. Mm. So it wasn't like you're just going to, okay, hey, Ryan, let's go check out the school. I'm going to show you a bunch of things, and here's a general idea what we're doing. <laughs> no, it was minute-to-minute minute exactly what was going to happen. So what did you show What did you decide to show her? Well, part of the visit was there to talk to our military families and to do a forum um, to discuss what their needs were and how schools were, you know, doing to support them. Um, so that was sort of how we were going to end it. And then before that, she wanted to just have a tour and, you know, see our, see our school. And anytime you have a chance to give a tour, I think those are excellent opportunities to reflect as to what you do offer as a school, you know, what makes you special, what makes you unique and uh, different. And so we, we show, first of all, our students, our classrooms, our teachers, instruction, because that's what we're, you know, here for. Uh, we, we, we shared our students that were in reading buddies, showing how older and younger students uh, support each other and collaborate. And so she read to some of our students. We had time in a first grade teacher's classroom. And uh, Miss English, she did an awesome job because they're doing Ben Franklin, and they're doing uh, Ben Franklin reading glasses made out of, like, the pipe stem cleaner thing, yeah. the colorful ones. And so we actually had, she jumped in and she uh, put put them on. Nice. Know, so we have, a, we have a nice picture of Secretary DeVos with these pipe stem cleaner colorful glasses, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and in there, I wanted to share that we do a lot of cooperative learning strategies. So, again, not just coming to a classroom, but coming to a classroom and showcase what you believe education should be. So I, I firmly believe that, yes, we can showcase sort of programs. We should also showcase, like, instructional strategies that we believe are the best or, or, or what we should be doing maybe on a national scale or on a, on a more, you know, grander scale. And that, definitely collaboration across students, speaking, talking, that kind of thing. That's um, awesome. We shared our engineering lab because we have students that refurbish uh, computers they wipe the hard drives, they clean them out, they clean the insides of the machines out, and we put new um, Windows software on them, and we donate them to needy families. So she got involved with that, um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of different stuff with classrooms. And, and I tell you what, though, uh, behind the scenes, I had set up time with my special education programs. So something that wasn't maybe in the official program was that I had set up time for my students to come and meet us throughout the tour. Um, specific students with disabilities, specific uh, physical disabilities. So, and this is set up with their families. And so it's kind of funny when we come out of a first grade classroom and I'm there with Betsy DeVos and, and we run right into one of my students in a, in a wheelchair, like literally run into him. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, what are you doing here? That's so funny. <laughs> and that led us into a nice little moment where we could discuss the, some of our students and their disabilities and what they need. And, and to her credit, she did a great job, got right on their level. And so we had that sort of set up throughout the tour um, not to invade with the tour, but definitely to showcase all of our students. And that's something I definitely believe in. If you want to share your school, don't hide students, right? Share all your students. Be proud of every single one of your students, students with or without disabilities, students of all different ethnicities, poor, rich alike. All of your students are part of your school culture, and they should be celebrated 
with all your tours and, and you know, stuff, you know, any PR that you have. That's amazing because that's one great aspect of public education is we educate all students. It doesn't matter your background, your disability. We take you in and we, we have amazing teachers and staff doing everything you can do um, and imagine to help educate students and to make their lives easier and better. And that's, I've just talking to some of our special education folks last week and some of the stories are just remarkable of what their teachers and staff do every day um, to educate kids, and that, that's you know another reason to love public right. education. Yeah, and that's only been like that for a couple of generations now. If you think about it, right? There's only been you know 50, 60 years where you have uh, students of all sorts of types of disabilities and, and languages and everything else in American public education. Uh, a couple of generations ago, students were in institutions or just didn't even come to school with serious disabilities. So. The change for the better to include more and more and more students makes America great and unique and special. And, and I think it's this idea that we're so inclusive in our schools. And that was something that was so important for me to showcase um, to any visitor, but definitely someone who's in charge of so much education around the country, is that we do have all these needs. And I want to be sure that she understood that we have these kids in our school and that they are important too. And that when we talk about funding or policy changes or something like that, or even support for teachers, what that really should look like. That's awesome. We uh, we open up our, our schools to, to a lot of visitors. We have actually kind of a tour program that we do as well, and I'd encourage other districts and schools to do it because it it helps everybody in public education when you say these are pe- best practices that are working for us, and then I'd encourage kind of like a school visit exchange, like let's you can come visit us, we'll go visit you. Just learn so much from that collaboration and sharing and talking to other educators and teachers, so that that's awesome. So Andy, you and I first met last year at ENSPRA, the National School Public Relations Association Conference in Anaheim. So this is mostly for school PR people, communications sure. folks, and you know all, all of us that are trying to tell our school stories and for the many reasons we do that. But I was just so impressed that you were there as a principal. Um, that was really cool. How did you get involved kind of with wanting to go to that conference, come all the way across the country to do that, and kind of watch, explain to us why sharing your school story is so important to you? Well, because I share my school story in sort of unique and really outgoing ways, my, uh, my great superintendent, um, Dr. Waltz, uh, Steve Waltz, he asked me and, and Diana Galata are – uh, our media, you know, director and all that, they, they asked uh, uh, to join into like a group presentation to share and showcase different ways you could use video to not just tell your school story, but showcase instruction, things like that. And so we did, we created a presentation together and we shared that. And um, for many years, we have been doing that at Ashland. And we are, the fact, the first school in the division to open up to Twitter and Facebook, like to everybody. Because, you know, again, people that are sort of getting into education now don't understand the journey of social media into education and the, the trepidation and fear that so many people have had with social media that sort of now it's finally starting to get sort of past that, even though not everybody's kind of where maybe we are, but um, they're definitely moving past that, and they're starting to see the advantages and sort of the expectations of social media. Uh, but I learned pretty quickly, and I, and I learned from those around me, and, and um, but, but the idea that, it's a it's a missed opportunity if you're not sharing the things about your school that are special, and I feel that parents and your community members should be able to list like specific things, like a handful of specific programs or aspects or or, or supports in your school. So if they say, okay, what what's so special about Ashland? Your parents should be able to tell you that. And if they can't, as a principal, I felt that that was my fault directly, and it wasn't something that was like a blame thing. It was just sort of like a lost missed opportunity opportunity cost. Like I. I, I have that ability uh, because of this cheap medium with, with social media to push this, push this stuff out there. And, and if you look at the statistics on who's on Facebook and who's on Twitter and all these different things, they're, they're, they're there. They're there listening, but you're not telling them. And so it's super important to uh, put positive money in the bank and constantly share the good things happening in your school. And don't assume that they know these things. I never wanted to. I never wanted to be the school that was just the, the good school because they didn't want to go to some other school, right? Like I wanted to be the school that was awesome because we did awesome things that everyone knew about. And uh, so over time, what's been unique in my journey through social media is to realize that uh, it's sort of reflective nature of social media. Do you really have great things to share? Do you really have great programs? 
do you have anything that makes you sort of special and unique? And the more I've been doing this, the more I realize we don't have to be like everybody else. And that, in fact, that's what sort of makes um, education very interesting because there's so many different ways to be successful with students. And I think that half the battle is knowing what you stand for, what you believe in, and what kind of programs then are aligned with that um, so that that really connects with your families. This whole idea about social media is not just like a news press release. It's, it's, it's relationship building through online connections. And when people feel like they get to know you and they, you know, appreciate you, maybe love you, all these things, then they're definitely on your side and, and, you're, and you're in it together. And especially where we can connect with grandparents across the country and all these different things. We have families that are deployed that are seeing our feeds. And there's just so many ways to connect now, especially when you start doing video and pictures. Um, that has great, created such a value uh, with that with that effort, from a, from a, especially from a principal standpoint. What was the turning point for your uh, district or your school's divisions where you opened up Facebook and Twitter um, and kind of how did that roll out? And then do you guys have a lot of staff also and teachers getting on there as well? Yeah, so what happened with us is I came back uh, from our national principals conferences and I saw some people starting to play with, with this and I said, okay, I, I want it in. I want to be able to do it. I want the green light. And I went up all the way to our superintendent staff and, and they gave it to me. And so we opened it up at our school and we started doing ed chats. We, we created our own uh, ed chat with our staff and that came across staff, you know, across different schools. We included different schools and we just kept blowing it up, blowing it up with Facebook and Twitter specifically, and um, our staff, I have almost all my staff on Twitter, and it wasn't something that I've been mandating, it's something that I very much uh, try to inspire them to do, and um, because we were so successful and other schools were starting to take suit with this, then uh, the division said, well, yeah, this is working, let's do it, and since then, we've opened it up to all the schools, and now it's on, it's kind of a common thing with all of our websites, and and now, you know, we've been maximizing it, our, you know, our superintendent's doing the you know, his own videos and Twitter feeds, and those blow up now. It's just a whole whole new world for our school division. But the success, it's always the success. The, the fear, uh, the success and the potential positive connections you can get outweighs the potential small negative outcomes that could occur. And, um, you know, you do have to take some risk and put yourself out there, but what you find is, you know, sort of no risk, no reward. You can't have people just know everything that you're doing and be connected with you if you're not making efforts to, to connect with them. Man, you are speaking my language. I love it. Yeah, we, we did the same thing here years ago. We opened up Facebook and Twitter to staff. So, you know, 10 years ago, if you walked in, you saw a teacher on Facebook, they would, they would you know, quickly close the browser and pretend sure. they weren't on there. And now it's like, you know, we don't care. And in fact, our superintendent is so on board. We actually have, so we used to do a lot of staff trainings for Twitter and Facebook and so now we have um, every principal's on Twitter, every uh, board of education member, every superintendent, over 300 teachers and so it's just this, like you said, and I love what you said is that you don't mandate it because that's when it'll drive people crazy because they're busy enough. Um, so you just try to inspire them. If they get on, great. But th I agree with that advice. Don't make it a mandate. You got to get on social media because then people just despise it. But another thing we do now, Andy, is with our new educator academy, when we welcome in new teachers that are coming to our district for the first time, is we actually all do a session with them and show them Twitter, how it works, the different feeds throughout the district, who to follow, how to get an account if they want one. And again, no, you don't have to do it. Um, but we implement it in our new educator training every year so that every year we get another, you know, however many teachers or staff we have, a lot of them are joining it. So it just kind of feeds into our system um, which is amazing. Um, do you guys do anything like that, offer trainings or? Yeah, so the school division does in central office, but we also, as a school, have trained other schools. So we've taken mm. a team of five or six teachers and myself, and we'll go run other school staff meetings within the division. Um, that really helps to see teachers talking to other teachers about the benefits of social media and Twitter and things like that, and the learning aspect of kind of strategies you can learn, the connections you can have. And then once teachers connect to each other and they sort of get motivated that way, that really has inspired more people to come on board. We also do a lot of challenges through Twitter, just as part of our school culture. We do a lot of fun activities in person, but also online. So one time we did selfie with the Elfie, and I bought this big cardboard, um, uh, what do you call it, Elf, you know, from the movie Elf? Mm -hmm. 
you know, a big like six foot some cardboard, <laughs> and I, I challenge if who could take the best selfie with the Elfie, and the hashtag and everything. And so each team had to come up with these different things. So we do these like these fun, just culture building uh, activities through our hashtag and through you know our, our social media feed, and and that has become sort of a, a really unique and fun experience as well. And that's one thing schools don't maximize a, a hashtag, a school based hashtag or school division hashtag. This idea that you have to own just your own profile feed, the beauty of the hashtag, which is so much better on Twitter than it is on something like Facebook, is that anyone can participate. Families participate. You know, central office participate. You have, uh, you know, all these teachers and administrators, so you can constantly see a live feed of what, what's happening within our school. So your handle on Twitter, and people should follow you, you have nearly 8,000 followers, and you tweet about your school all the time, mm -hmm. uh, is underscore Andy Jacks. I highly re recommend folks follow you. And then your, your hashtag that you talked about, Ashland Soar. So what it went into that, and kind of how do you guys utilize that and your general approach to using Twitter? Right, so that was one of the first things we did, was we realized we had to have a hashtag that could create sort of a common unity with our story and because remember as a principal you have to be careful that you don't own this story this is not your school this is a group school it's a group effort it's a community effort all the teachers the the the, the parents the students you know we all own this 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 story and um, you want them to participate you don't even if they have different views than you you definitely want them to participate and and, and share these views so that you can learn as well as sort of guide this discussion so a hashtag helps you do that. And so we did Ashland Soar, because obviously we're the Falcons and Soaring and that kind of thing, and really Ashland. I like the idea of the school name being in the hashtag. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I see these hashtags where I'm like, I don't really get what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. um, if anything, I think that hashtags and your brand and all these things should match up with your vision, really. You know, with what's sort of your, what is your brand? Is your brand just some mascot, random mascot, or is your brand learning? you know, or student empowerment, or whatever that may be, you know. That's something I've been always grappling with over the years, is really how are we branding ourselves. A small kind of weird segue is uh, the NBA. The NBA, um, a while back, has now multiple logos for all of their teams. And one of the things they did with every single logo is they put a basketball right in the middle of the logo. Mm. So the Raptors, the Lakers, all these guys, they, they have um, a basketball, actual image of a basketball, in every single one of these logos. And they do that on purpose to kind of put that basketball, that's what they're here for, the sport, right in the middle of their images. So even if you're some animal mascot, it's still about basketball. And that's something as schools I think we need to continue to reflect on in divisions is, does our brand reflect what we value? And does our brand reflect our, our main priorities? Because when people think of you, what do they think of? A lot of times they think of your logos and these brands out there, but they may not be totally aligned with what you really want them to be aligned with. Yeah, I love that. The brand of your school and your school district is so important. I love the NBA example you use because that is no matter what individual school or team you are, it still comes back to that central image, which is the basketball and the why and the vision, the purpose of us. I love Ashland Soar. That speaks to your name, your school. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was first getting out on Twitter and stuff, I, I see this mistake a lot, and I made it myself, too, is a lot of school districts will use our acronyms. We'll use AUSD, whatever. Right. Right. Then, then you'll soon realize, oh, there's 19 AUSDs out there. <laughs> and so... <laughs> As you recommended, do a little research before you start a hashtag yes. and just do a quick search to see if the, what else is there because you may see other things. You want to make it unique. So when I click on Ashland Soar now, I'll just see stuff from my particular elementary school or my school and I won't see whatever else it is. So yeah, be thoughtful about the hashtag. Don't just have one to have one, mm -hmm. but I love that. And then with every tweet you see it, people start seeing it. And then what people don't realize is it makes it easier for your division, you, to retweet things because you can yep. just easily go research, uh, search the hashtag and go, that's great, Let's let me retweet that, and it, and it starts to spread and spread. And what's unique about like a Twitter feed is that you can publicly post that. So you don't need to have a login for Twitter to see that. Mm -hmm. And that's something, so a lot of our parents are on Facebook, of course, Facebook and YouTube is these monster programs, but um, I tell my parents, even if you're not on Twitter, just click this link and you'll see our feed, you yeah. know? And so it just makes it easier to share as well. Yeah, and Facebook is great. Like, we post a ton on Facebook, but I tell our parents, and for schools, 
many more of our parents are on Facebook than Twitter. Right. But if you really want to see insights inside the classroom, go to Twitter because our teachers are, are tweeting stuff all the time and that the parents are not going to see on Facebook. Right. But if they get a Twitter account, follow the right account, um, wow, you get some great insights to the learning, the curriculum, different programs, and uh, that sort of stuff. So and, and our teachers like, if you're trying to sell us a teacher, one thing that I know our teachers like to be able to influence others. They like this idea that they, they felt empowered that if they shared something that they saw other people then would use this all across the country and they felt like they were making a difference, you know, and then vice versa, they were taking ideas from other people, collaborating, that kind of thing. And I've been able to collaborate. I do my read-alouds where I read to classrooms every month, and the authors, every time I pump out their book about, you know, some uh, picture book, I, I'm making personal connections with all these authors, which the teachers thought were cool, you know. We had one um, one of our friends out from your way out in California, uh, Heidi, um, from Heidi Songs, she came out, and we arranged something for her to travel all the way from California to Virginia to do her all of her songs, uh, sight word videos and all that for her. And I surprised my kindergarten, first grade teachers and all the students with her coming out. And that was all done through Twitter. That's amazing. You know, behind the scenes with messaging. And so this idea that you can connect directly with people um, through social media is very unique versus, you know, trying to go through websites and emails and that kind of thing. So our staff gets a kick out of that, too. Yeah, we've had stories uh, last year when the Dodgers and Astros were in the World Series we have we're obviously in Dodger country, and so our teachers will all they'll have like a Dodger day when the when the Dodgers are in the World Series, so they'll all take photos in their Dodger shirts. And at one school, Foothills Middle School, there was one teacher that had an Astro shirt on, and so it's all it's like nine Dodger shirts and one Astro shirt. And so there's a reporter out in LA from Houston covering the World Series, and said, I want to talk to that Astros fan. So she does this big story on, you know, a lone Astro fan in L.A. in the middle of Dodger country. But we've seen so many examples of those. Without social media, the exposure to the media, to the school and all that doesn't exist if we're not out there putting those stories on there. Um, so I've seen so many examples of those. You mentioned Twitter chats and Ed chats. I love seeing our teachers are doing this at night, their own time. Once in a while, we'll host a district Twitter chat. How do you guys organize your Twitter chats with your school? So we had, we created, uh, it wasn't only for our school, but most of our teachers started with it. And so we did a, for Princeton County Schools, a PWCS ed chat. And I started that um, just to, to get the conversation going and to get motivated and help people give a reason to get on Twitter. And uh, so we just, we organized as a weekly chat for a while and we did, um, different topics and so and it, and it stopped and now we have different chats for the division and different chats out there and that's something that I think people um, are afraid I found that people are afraid to like jump on they're like they'll, they'll watch these chats but they don't want to necessarily say something they feel like they don't have anything to contribute and I think they're sort of missing the point of the chat is that sort of the, the cool thing about something like Twitter is that you could just throw concepts or ideas or, or, or sort of just even a phrase out there and it makes someone else think about something and maybe make a connection and and uh, part of that participation helps you feel engaged with other people. Then you get, like, sort of connected. And then the more you do that, you can actually build a real relationship. Like, now I have people all across the country like you that I actually know and I'm friends with. And in some cases, I've been over their houses and everything else all across the country just because of these social media chats and, and connections. And, you know, we did one with Dads as Principles hashtag. And there's Principles in Action. And, I mean, you name it, there's a new one coming out, like, every other day. You know, lead-up chat. There's all these different chats out there. It's just a matter of which ones kind of connect with you, and you can create your own chat. That's the kind of beauty of it, right? Mm -hmm. You can create your own first-grade teacher chat. I'm sure there is one out there. Yeah. You know, like you can create these things, and it just creates sort of a vehicle to connect with other inspired and motivated people. You know, it, you don't have an excuse anymore in our current um, age of social media to not find people that are just like you that, are, that want to do great in schools. You know, there, there are tons and tons of people out there that are working just as hard as you and, and they, they care about kids just as much as you do. And you deserve to be inspired by them and they inspired by you. And you just have to get that right connection and then stay with them. One thing you do so well to inspire your students, your school community, and to get your story out there is videos. You, uh, I know you speak on this. People look to you like, how the heck do you do these videos? Um, just looking at some this morning, you do a Friday Five, a 30-second book talk. Tell us about videos, how you got into it, and kind of um, the power of them, and where the heck do you find the time? Because that's the biggest thing, too, is 
when you said, you know, we, we don't mandate it, we don't either, but it's hard for principals because, you know, the first question is, yeah. I'm putting out fires all day, where do I have the time to do it? Yeah. Um, so I guess your approach to videos, I mean, it's just amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. One, you never had the time for anything, right? <laughs> you have, everyone has the same amount of time on their, on yeah, their agenda. It's just prioritizing. Um, definitely the more that I put myself in a positive mindset, being in positive places, doing positive things, the more positivity within our building. And principals have to be careful, just like anybody else, to not get caught up in the trap of all the negative things that go in with the job, saying they don't have time for the positive things. You just sort of have to make time. That being said, there's definitely tricks. And um, there's definitely, um, I think one is, for me, I wanted to share, showcase uh, I started with these sort of video newsletters where I just got in front of a camera and brought some kids in. We talked about what happened for the week. And then I evolved into sort of more fun videos. We started getting into things like um, music recreate, like music parody videos. Our staff loves that. So we create all these music parody videos. We do one for holiday seasons. We do one for end of the school year for like motivation for testing. We do all sorts of things like that. And those are great because it involves every single staff member and everyone has a role, and it's fun. It's sort of a good culture-building thing as well as, as sort of a purposeful video. Um, but then we created I, – I did this video series. Uh, we have now like three or four seasons of Mr. Jack's and the Falcon, it was called, where uh, the Falcon and I would go on adventures. The Falcon's our mascot. We'd go on adventures, and the teachers would be the different adventures. So like our fifth-grade team, we'd go meet up with our fifth-grade team, and they'd teach us about some testing strategy, but they'd be all dressed up like – mountain climbers. And then, and then over the years, we started adding special effects to all these different things, right? And so um, we, just, we just started having fun with it. You know, it's just kind of like, for us, having fun is part of our school vision, and having a fun environment is part of it. And so our videos wanted to recreate that brand as well. So when you think of our school, you think of fun and interesting and engaging. Um, so uh, not everything has to be hardcore, like guided reading, mm-hmm. right? Everything, there's sort of an aspect for all sorts of things. But I also felt it was important to share about my book read-alouds and to motivate our students to want to read these books. So I think that principals, superintendents, school leaders should show, should really share the instructional aspects they, that they believe in as well. So for me, reading is one of the most important things you could possibly do on the planet. So if I'm not making videos about reading, well, that, that's, that doesn't make sense. Mm. So I think that if it's something you really believe in as far as your sort of educational philosophy, then that's what you should be making videos about. And don't overthink it. Have fun with it. And what I learned over time is that just the more I made, the better we got. You just start adding new mm-hmm. features, and you get better. And as a leader, it helped me because I became much more comfortable in my own skin and my own voice and what I look like. A lot of people says, oh, I can't do videos. I can't stand what I look like or sound like. <laughs> if you can't even stand what you look like, <laughs> how are other people going to stand what you look like? Right? This idea that you have to be like, like good-looking and like have a great voice to be – no, man, people are people. Right? Put yourself out there and maximize your personality. If you're a quiet person, maximize that. If you're a really energetic person, maximize that. It's just kind of being comfortable in your own skin, being yourself, and then, and then sort of creating a story arc behind what you believe in. I mean, you could be as simple as we create, uh, we do in- introduction videos for all of our staff members on our website. That, even that alone is a great entry point for people. If I go to you, if you're a principal or, or a superintendent or any of these district people, if I go to your website, what is on your website channel? Do you have uh, or your profile page? You know, I'm, not, I'm talking about for your district. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's just sort of a description. You may be having a picture. I see principals around the country have nothing. There's nothing there. So you know what I think of? If I go to your page and I see nothing there, I'm thinking to myself, whoa, whoa, either they don't have time for this, they don't think it's important, what kind of leader are they? You have every opportunity, even something as simple as they want to check out your webpage. So you can have a picture, you can have a description, or better yet, you can have a video. You can have a video where you explain your, your uh, like philosophy about how you're going to treat their child, especially new parents that want to come into your school. You know, are you sharing about how, yeah, I believe in every single kid and how they could be successful. I'm going to do whatever it takes to help your child be successful. Just saying that alone gives mm-hmm. you immediate credibility and, and sort of value in the eyes of our community. And uh, again, opportunity costs. Where if you're not doing it, you're missing out on something that is free. You know, you can just get in front of a, a computer now and, and you're, you're just your camera on your computer and just record it and, and up, upload it. So this isn't even like massive production costs that you need. What is your Friday Five segment? What is that? So Friday Five was designed to share five sort of fast-paced, energetic um, things that happen throughout the week. It didn't have to have a theme. It was just along the lines of I was finding that uh, – 
Twitter and social media has so many things going on, but sometimes it's hard to package that all into one sort of uh, like one quick share. And so I feel if you look at the statistics too about what people watch, if it's under two minutes, they kind of watch it. If it's under thirty seconds, they definitely watch it. Um, so I wanted to share like an under two minute, um, quick, energetic, get kids involved, share teachers. Because I also feel like as much as I want to showcase maybe something I'm doing, the reality is I'm showcasing stuff our school is doing. So what are our what are our teachers doing? What are you know, what's our cafeteria staff doing? And I want to put those people in front of the camera um, so that everyone sort of gets that benefit of connecting to our families. And so there's really uh, sometimes it's just what kind of caught me. Or And, and actually with school, uh, with our school, is really challenging to narrow down to five things a lot of times. So um, there's all sorts of different ways you can do a Friday Five. I like the idea of a branded, like, five. Like, when I know this video is coming across, I know what I'm supposed to get. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think is important. So um, with all the, the, the noise of social media, you want to make sure that um, they recognize whatever you're kind of giving them. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, this is an update. Oh, I want to see this, right? Or this is, we do games with guests where our teachers compete every week against each other in, like, a minute to win it segment on our student news show. <laughs> well, our students then edit that, and then they post that out there every week. So when you see games with guests, boom, it's the same intro, same exit, um, it's the same background kind of thing, and we put it out every Friday. So, like, parents know when to expect it. They know what to expect. It's easily recognizable. What um, program, how are you shooting the videos? Who's shooting it for you? What are you using? And what do you use to edit as well? Variety. Uh, so many different things. Um, when I do my own, it's as simple as uh, my phone most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, all those Friday Fives, it's the, my phone. And I edited all those with Wii Video. So, I really like Wii Video um, as far as the software editing. It's a, it's a educationally, it's not just for education, but there's definitely a lot of benefits for students using it and, mm-hmm. and educators using it because it's, it's simple and has enough work with green screen and transitions and things like that. But there's, I mean, we use PowerDirector. We use all sorts of different higher-end programs as well, especially when you start getting into uh, more higher-end special effects um, and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but, um, I mean, you could use... I mean, geez, the apps now. I mean, you could use uh, Quick, which was a GoPro-designed um, app. You could use, um, oh, what's another one I was using? Um, there's just so many now that sort of do the work for you, and that's what I would recommend for principals is if you don't have the time, find an app that sort of does the work for you mm-hmm. and then just put the pieces in it, and then it makes these transitions together for, sort of automatically for you. Um, when you do that, it becomes easier. Yeah, there's a lot of... I use iMovie a lot, and yeah. I know you talked about in a blog post or interview you did that um, the template-based is really beneficial, too, and you're just kind of plugging in. They do the template for you. iMovie has those, um, so it's great. And even, like you said, your videos have progressed, so if there's a principal out there, somebody thinking about doing videos, yeah. you don't even need a program no. to start. Just get it on video, use your smartphone. Yes. Number one tip, wipe the lens before you start <laughs> recording. It's a great tip. And then just put it out there. Like, you don't need to edit it. You don't need transitions. You'll nope. slowly start to, like, ooh, I wish I could put my name title in there. Yep. You'll take one minute to do some research online, watch a quick YouTube video. Like, oh, that's how I put text on there. And then your videos will get better and better based on need. But you don't need to be this video uh, this video extraordinaire Steven Spielberg to get videos out there it's just the connection they see you they hear you and it's like oh that's great and then slowly if you want to add those things some music some special effects transitions it's quick and easy to do it and it's really not that hard no and if anything I recommend because of my experience sort of overdoing it many times is be careful how much time you spend on the things that don't matter as much Mm. what matters is you the people in the video matter more than anything else you know, um, you connecting well with the camera matters more than all the special effects. And I think that, especially if you're talking to the camera, like you said, wipe that camera clean, get good lighting, make sure it sounds decent. Mm-hmm. But even with that, I mean, you could buy even like a lapel mic from Amazon or something for like 10 bucks. I mean, you could buy oh, yeah. really inexpensive things that make, sort of upgrade a little bit over time. But it's as simple as putting your, your phone in landscape view mm-hmm. and talking to your phone and just making it you know, like you're talking to someone right next to you. Um, I think people really respond to that. Because remember, it's, it's about them connecting with you as a person. Yeah. That you're not just this principal job, right? You are a person that they're talking to and that they trust and that they uh, care about. You know. Yeah, and there's a lot of... I have a blog post on... Uh, one, some basic how to shoot with your smartphone, like you talked about, landscape sure. and good lighting. And I have another one with 
um, kind of how to create a studio on a very small budget. But mm-hmm. on Am- Amazon's amazing. I'm we're recording this with uh, lavalier mics that I got on Amazon for like 20 bucks. Nice. You get a splitter, and it just makes it. It's not expensive to get the quality really high, uh, especially now with you know how far technology has advanced. Prices come down, so there's little things you can buy. There's uh, several blog posts that you can check out, even for lighting and that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, just getting the content there. And you got to do it. So that's yeah. one thing. You just have to do it. So <laughs> exactly. if you, if I was going to challenge uh, school leaders out there, I'd, I'd do one: make sure you have an introduction video on your website, and two. Just put videos out every week, every mm-hmm. single week. Put something out, a video of yourself talking to the camera. Mm-hmm. What do I value this week in our school? It could be 30 seconds of, you know, I, I'm just so grateful for our teachers doing this, or I, I want to share a story about X. I mean, even some of the most popular videos coming from school leaders around the country right now are just as simple as somebody walking and talking to the camera. Yeah. Uh, because it's really not about all the fancy stuff. It's really about that story or connection that you're trying to make with them. I um, mean, the more you do it, just the more comfortable you will be in your own skin. So besides even the whole point of, you know, sharing this to your community, I believe that it makes you a better leader anyway because it makes you a better communicator. If you, you'll realize that you say certain words too much or you'll realize that you, you know, don't look at the camera or that you're not speaking clearly or concisely, you know, those kinds of things, which are really important communication skills that we don't always focus on as school leaders. Who's the principal or superintendent who does, when he's walking to his school, he lives down the street, just does Oh, Joe, yeah, Joe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he inspired me. He and Tony Sanders, uh, two guys wrote Hacking Leadership. Mm-hmm. So they inspired me years ago at a, at a national conference because I saw them. At the time, Tony was a principal. Now he's, uh, I think, associate superintendent. But they were, they were doing these things as school leaders, principals, and uh, especially in Joe's school where his whole school district is, is smaller. It's on a small scale, but he's able to amplify the, the power and the influence of his small district at a national level because of how he's communicating as a superintendent. And I think it just gives so much uh, kind of, again, if you want to talk about recruiting and, and retention, some of the big issues, and I know in our area right now, trying to get and keep the best staff, um, and you're, you're fighting this game with, with all these school districts around the world and around the country, you want to make sure that your voice is heard, that your brand is heard. And so video, I think they say right now, um, videos like 80-some percentage of the views online now are, are videos. And even on top of that, something now a newer trend is video without words. So now having the words uh, mm. coming across the bottom of the screen because they're not there's no um, sound. People mm. are watching videos without sound now. Because um, they're doing it at they're doing it at work and they can't have the sound up. <laughs> yeah, they're doing multitasking <laughs> exactly. is what we're doing now, right? Yep. So we're doing three things at once, and uh, but that's the new trend. So you're seeing that rise too. So I would also keep an eye on these trends. You know, mm. if you're trying to see what's kind of coming out next, and then sort of recreate it. And that's what I did a lot of times. I just like if you like Joe's. Uh, version of going down the street and talking, just do it yourself too. Yeah. You're not competing with them. He right. won't be offended. If anything, he'll be honored that you're doing it, right? right? Just just recreate it because then you sort of know, okay, that kind of worked, so let me see if I can sort of do something similar. Mm-hmm. If anything, you can give a shout-out to these guys and be like, hey, you really influenced me. That's something I've been trying to do. Um, but yeah, just just uh, see what you like and sort of... And I watch commercials and things like that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of every time you're watching these ads... Uh, why are ads powerful, right? Why are some ads, I'm sure as PR people, you guys think about this all the time, mm-hmm. but why are some ads more powerful than others? And why would a business, some like Google or something, right? Like why would Apple spend so much money on an ad where people just talk to the screen or something weird, right? Why are they doing that? Because it, cause it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can learn lessons from that. And we live in a world where we don't have to like make more money per se. Like we're not trying to sell a product in a way, but in reality we are. Mm-hmm. And if we live in a selling mindset, uh, we create uh, sort of a better uh, communication style to our families because uh, I think we should always be selling our product to our families because they're paying for it. Just because they sort of have to pay for it with taxes doesn't mean that they're not paying for it, exactly. right? They are paying for it, and we, and we should constantly, they deserve for us to sell the product and to help them understand the value of their of their product that they're buying. One thing that is makes a great story is pulling at the heartstrings, that emotional, personal connection and you do it so well with utilizing students in your videos. It's hard not to watch those videos and go, wow, the kids are excited. They get to be in Principal Jack's video and they get to help tell the story. When did you start utilizing students? How did, how did you do it and how much fun are they having doing it and how much does it help those videos? 
yes, so from the very beginning. So one of my first videos was a video newsletter, and I had five different students. And uh, that student now is in middle school. Uh, he was a kindergartner, so that's, that's how long ago that was. And um, immediately, yeah, I believe that we are here for students. I mean, that's one of my educational philosophies, that we are always, the students are the front and center of everything we do. So if we can, if we do everything without students, I don't, I don't know that that matches and aligns with why we're here. Um, that being said, not every, not every single video has to have, you know, students, mm -hmm. but there's different purpose, I guess, for different things. But if you're going to have students, what better, who can better showcase uh, what you're doing in school than the people actually doing it, these kids doing it? And they're able to share what they like and what they um, think is kind of cool and interesting in the school. So it could be as simple as, what's one cool thing you did in school today? Or it could be as simple as, um, what do you, I did one not too long ago where I asked a student, what do you think is important for the culture of our school? Like, if we want to have a great school culture and people like each other, what should they, how should they act? And just let them talk. You know, ask them some questions. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, that was powerful, right? Mm -hmm. And so it could be just as simple as that. Do you get a perfect response every time? No, no, no. You've got to do a lot of these. <laughs> but when you get them, you get them. And they're, and they're really powerful. And if anything, they help teach me as a leader uh, what our kids value and, and what they're looking at and what they're listening to. And I also feel like we should make kids look good. You know, so if I make a video and the kids don't look good, they look silly, they look mm. dumb, like I don't, I don't put that video out because right. that's, I don't want them. It's not for me, it's for them. I want them to look good. I want them parents to feel proud of it or, or to feel like, wow, look, my kids on here, they look good, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes students maybe with disabilities or kids with different languages and things like that. I also have to take all those into account as to uh, how are we best communicating, you know, uh, sort of the, the strengths of our students. Yeah, we realized years ago, when I first got here, I've been in Arcadia about six years, there were so many good stories to tell, and I was like, how do I get to all these places? How do I do it? And so we created, you know, like you talked about, utilizing our students. So we have a huge digital communications internship program where the kids help us take photos, they do videos, they have a student-run podcast. And so we talked about the time issue and time management and prioritizing. It's hard to do, but when you utilize students, they're so capable. They can do half of this work for us. Uh, they're better at it in a lot of respects. I have some photographers that are, you know, shoot circles around me when it comes to photos and video and stuff like that. So um, there's actually I have a lot of podcasts talking about the internship, how to set it up. I speak on it all the time. But utilizing students is key, and I love how you um, work with your students to share your story, get them involved, teach them lessons. Um, it's such a win-win. You know, because they're also learning a, a trade, a life skill. I mean, we have a student-ran media uh, team, a student. Like, so our, we have fifth graders that not only just run social media, you know, we have, you know, they tweet out every day and they, they take pictures of our guests and they do tours and things like that. But we also have a, a media team that runs our news show every day. And so we have students that run, we have uh, this whole system, we have a production manager and we have... Um, on-air people, off-air. We have uh, two cameras that run simultaneously live, and so the production manager can toggle between them live during our news broadcast. We have a dedicated URL that goes out um, to, to show our news show every day. And so it's a whole, it's a whole completely student-run news team. And the skills that they're able to learn at, at 10, you know, rival what so many of us as adults even have knowledge of, let alone are able to do. And if you trust them um, that they can do it, um, they will, in return, um, do a phenomenal job for you and be really highly invested. Um, but I think there's this idea that, like, well, what if they mess up or what if they don't do it right, whatever else. But <laughs> adults mess up all the time, right? Exactly. And so, you know, if anything, the kids are going to learn a lot faster. Yeah. I, I, man, wow, you really are speaking my language. I get the same thing, too, because we turned over the keys to our social media accounts to our high school students and they'll post things and I used to review it and A, not, not let them do that, but now it's like, go ahead and post it, you make a mistake, we'll edit it, you're gonna live, you're gonna learn, um, but you, you gotta empower the students because they're gonna be in the real world. I could easily just as make a, a grammar mistake that they could make, um, it's not the end of the world. Right. And um, they can do so many things and there's still some districts, I mean, there's so many that are now on social media but you still get the fear of like, well what if somebody writes something bad on their Facebook page or whatever, it's like, I use the graffiti example, what if somebody came and spray painted something right. on, on your school, what are you going to do, close yep. down school for three weeks? No, right. you're going to wipe it off, clean it and go, go about your day. Um, so well, especially if someone says something negative towards you. So maybe it's not even your people, but like say you have a negative comment or something like this. And at first I was really, 
I was against it too because I saw, well, it's not fair that someone could just write a negative comment about whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But my people uh, convinced me that, you know, well, you got to take the good with the bad, right? You can't take the 150 great comments um, and not take the bad comment, right? You have to take it all. Mm -hmm. And if anything, the bad comment is feedback. It's just input. It's all input, right? And so uh, how you respond uh, more than anything to these things. So if, if someone says, like, say you post something about testing and, oh, kids are finished up with testing, they worked really hard, and then you get a comment like, oh, I hate testing, testing's the worst thing ever, why do you let them test, <laughs> right? Well, but it's how you respond to that mm-hmm. thing that matters. It's not, because people don't look at that and say, oh, you must be bad because someone wrote something bad. No, they don't think that. But they are going to watch how you respond. And so some people just don't respond, right? I, I respond to those things like, oh, thank you so much for that insight and how you feel about this. And uh, we agree in some ways that testing can be overwhelming, so here's the things that we do to try to support our students, blah, 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 right? It's like it's another opportunity. It's like, oh, you didn't realize that you just gave me another opportunity to share about testing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's everything is an opportunity to sort of uh, keep moving positive energy forward. Information is power, and the more information you have, and, and something's being said, you'd rather know about it because if something's being said behind closed doors or whatever it is, like maybe there is an issue, maybe there is some credibility. The other thing we found, too, if somebody's kind of outlandish, will comment on our page and say something a little bit ridiculous, our parents and community will jump on it and correct them themselves and we don't even need to do anything. Absolutely. So it's awesome. Well, that means you're doing it right, and that's how you're, you know, I always feel like, you know, your community should have your back and you should have theirs. If they need something, you help them out and vice versa, you know. But uh, if you don't sort of create sort of vulnerability within yourself, then they have no opportunity to sort of support you in that way. Exactly. Andy Jacks, Dr. Andy Jacks, we appreciate it. The principal of Ashland Elementary School in Virginia doing amazing things, communicating for your school and getting the great word out about public education and what it can do for students. You can follow him on Twitter, underscore Andy Jacks, and his website is andyjacks.co. He doesn't have the M because he's cooler than the rest of us. <laughs> no, man. It was just cheaper. <laughs> exactly. I know. Somebody's been hoarding uh, RyanFaran.com for like 30 years, and I just got <laughs> RyanFaran.info, and it's the same thing, so who cares, yep, yep. right? Exactly. Andy, appreciate the time. I hope to catch up soon. You're doing great work, and on behalf of all of us who are advocating for public education, thank you, and thanks for coming on, sharing how you do it. And uh, connect with Andy if you have any questions. Or you're just starting out in videos or, you know, telling your school story and empowering your students. It's awesome. So thanks so much for, for doing this, Andy. Loved it. Thanks, Rod. Really honored to be a part of it. And keep killing it, man. You're doing such a great job. It's such an important topic. And there's so many people that still need your wise words out there. <laughs> so keep up the great work, man. Very kind. And we'll talk soon, Andy. All right. Take care. Thank you, sir.